San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good evening, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. You can get all these podcasts commercial-free on iymoney.com or on iTunes if you search the title of the show. And if you download the app for 760 KFMB, you can hear us on your device. And now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire, an accomplished marathon runner, a best-selling author, a lecturer, a philanthropist, and a Family Office expert advising several high net worth families. Richard, how are you tonight? Doing great, Joe. Yeah, great. Happy Fourth of July to everybody. Hey, let's dispense with any further discussion. We have a VIP on the line, and we want to devote as much time to him as possible. We are uh, honored to have with us uh, tonight for the Fourth of July show the new publisher of the new San Diego Union Tribune, Austin Butner. Austin, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me on. Hey, our, our pleasure, our pleasure. So, uh, so glad that you bought the paper in May, so you were able to uh, capitalize on all the great uh, Supreme Court uh, decisions last week. Because I think the editorial page might have looked a little differently if uh, the, if you had bought it uh, in July or August, right? Well, you know uh, that I can't comment on, okay. but uh, <laughs> you know our view is uh, our work should reflect the views and values of our community, and we're delighted to be part of the San Diego community. Good, good, good. Love for, for everybody, right? Right. So, <laughs> Austin, what day did you guys close that deal exactly? Just so our listeners know. Uh, gosh, roughly. that's a darn good question. Couple about probably about a month ago, three okay. weeks ago, something like that. So, so right at the end of May. Was okay. about May seventh or so, somewhere in there. Was it May seventh or? I'll take your word for that. Sometime okay. in the last okay. four or six okay. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. So, Austin Butner, what a great name for a novelist, but here you are now a publisher. So, <laughs> did you ever know? Uh, well, you know, someday I'll write a book on my experiences <laughs> in the newspaper industry, and uh, that, that might be a novel, uh, or it might be a thriller. We'll just see how it turns out. <laughs> well, just to give folks a little background, I guess you were a Dartmouth graduate and uh, majored in economics, and then went on to become an, an analyst at, uh, where is it here? Uh, Smith Barney, and then at age 29, the only the youngest partner at the Blackstone, Blackstone Group. And uh, after that, I guess you founded your own company, Evercore. I thought it was kind of interesting that, um, I guess, the Tribune had hired your company to help negotiate uh, the, their transition, and then you guys wound up <laughs> buying the paper, right? Yeah, but it, it, uh, the two weren't uh, confluenced. I took a couple tours outside the private sector. Mm-hmm. I was worked for the U.S. government in Russia back in the mid-'90s for a few years, and uh, more recently when I retired from Evercore after taking it public, I was deputy mayor in Los Angeles and spent most of my time on the civic good. So Evercore happened to be working uh, for Tribune, but uh, long after I had already retired oh, from Evercore. It, so, uh, I yeah, thought, a I thought, coincidence. I thought it was like that Remington deal. He liked the Razor Company so much he bought it. But anyway. Yeah, no, not one of those kind of things. Now, now uh, someone asked me uh, about buying the papers. I said, well, I've been, I'm a seven-day subscriber to both already. Why would I need to buy them? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now, how often do you get down to San Diego? Are you down here uh, periodically? or? Yeah, yeah. So I'm back and forth. Uh, mm-hmm. Russ Newton, my partner and colleague, is the day-to-day uh, Head together with Jeff Light, who's been there a while. The mm-hmm. two of them uh, set the day-to-day tone. I'm down there about every other week for a few days. 
uh, meeting with folks in the community, trying to work out some of the broader strategy things that we need to do at the mm-hmm. paper, and uh, meeting with advertisers and sponsors and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm down there about every other week for a few days. Wonderful. So, Austin, what was the impetus behind the deal, How, uh, assuming there's no confidential secrets here that you can't disclose? Yeah, no, it's pretty straightforward. We think scale matters, in particular in the print business. Uh, there are four big newspaper groups you're probably familiar with, uh, the San Diego Union Tribune and the uh, Suburbans that it also owns, mm-hmm. the North County Suburbans in particular. Uh, Los Angeles Times, we own some community papers as well. Uh, in between us is the Orange County Register, and then there's a group that surround and fill in some of the holes that owns the Long Beach Press, Telegram, and papers like that. There are tremendous economies of scale in the good old-fashioned print newspaper business. So mm-hmm. there's too much printing capacity. You can combine that. Uh, the papers can be distributed together. And what we're trying to do is take some of the resources we save there and invest in a better product because at the end of the day, we want customers to get up in the morning and see the San Diego Union Tribune and say the content's as good, if not better, than it ever was, and it's an essential part of their lives. And mm-hmm. that has to happen in San Diego, and it happens differently in San Diego than Los Angeles, two different communities, uh, two different voices, uh, politically different and, and different in so many ways, but there are some things in common. We're all part of the broader story of California. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all part, part of the California look at how we uh, react and see things either to the west and the Pacific or to the east and the rest of the country. And so some things in common, but two very distinct communities. It's important that we respect and preserve the local identities of both papers. Mm-hmm. I noticed that. Uh, I saw you on TV with uh, with the governor uh, the other week. I guess one of the first priority items is water. Every time. And, and actually, I think your editorial by uh, Dr. Famoletti, who said, uh, you know, we have one year of water left, I think that uh, provided a ton of impetus to, to this whole water uh, conservation movement, or at least a, a, a new a new higher a higher level of uh, of concern. But that was, you know, that was our purpose. One role newspapers have traditionally played in their communities is to be that convener, to be that agenda setter. And I don't mean an agenda from a political standpoint, mm-hmm. but more from priorities. What as a community should be yeah, exactly priorities. What should we be talking about? And it's clear to us that water is one of those things that is so important in our lives for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. But it, but it's not a question of if it's going to rain tomorrow or not. We have a broader set of issues. And lots of choices being made by elected administrative officials on our behalf. And we just thought it was a chance to elevate the conversation. Mm-hmm. So the governor and I sat down for an hour. And uh, as I said before to he and his team, you, know, you could get TV cameras to follow you in a, a dry field and mm-hmm. they'll take a 20-second clip. You could go on the radio show and talk for a half hour, but you'll be arguing with someone and you'll get in mm-hmm. six-second sound bites. Mm-hmm. Or we can have a thoughtful conversation and broaden it and try to engage more of our readers, so it was viewed around the state. It was not only broadcast in KCET in Los Angeles, but KQED in San Francisco and the local PBS affiliate in San Diego. Correct. It was live streamed. Mm-hmm. We took some of the content, we put it in the newspaper on the website. Uh, some of it was picked up by John Stewart, one mm-hmm. up on his show. <laughs> uh, and I happened to be in Israel the week later, and uh, the mayor of a big city in Israel said that he'd actually seen the entire webcast himself. So. Wow content like that where we can uh, help bring uh, attention and some thought, we hope, to important topics that matter in our lives, that's what we should be doing. Well, in Israel, uh, we Sherry Arison, uh, we had her on this show. I guess she heads one of the banks. She's one of the, I guess, wealthier people in the Middle East, right, Richard? She's well, the only female billionaire in the Middle East, yeah. does construction, right. but also very interested in uh, water desalinization. Well, her, and... her son, David, runs an outfit that um, pretty much analyzes... Um, 
uh, systems for leakage and uh, apparently very successful. So uh, I did send it the, the, the link to him, so maybe it got around there. But um, apparently the Middle East is doing a lot of things uh, smarter and better than, than we are, I would think, with water. Obviously, they're more water challenged than we, correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's fascinating if you uh, tour the country as I did to see how they – they look at efficiency and use. Uh, they look at recycling, uh, and you know every drop coming from the sky, every drop going through the system, is measured, monitored, and they also think of it as a system. So mm-hmm. they they think carefully about agriculture use versus bioscience, for mm-hmm. instance. They think about uh, those who have longer tenured rights versus shorter rights and how you balance those. So they're very very conscious and aware of it. Now it's much much smaller. So. Right. If anything, we in California should be looking to Israel as a pilot for certain technologies that might work or certain rulemaking or regulatory regimes that we might uh, better deploy here in California. Mm Because I think one thing that ought to have been clear to anyone who watched the conversation with Terry Brown is it's complicated here. Yeah, Uh, management. Yeah, and Israel, of course, is way ahead of us on vertical farming, too. We did Mm -hmm. a show about that Mm -hmm. uh, recently. But we're getting there. You know, I, I did discuss today with somebody, you know, years ago, the air pollution in, in L.A. and even down here was, was, was horrible. You probably, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you remember that, but we uh, got into the catalytic converters. We did, we did get into some solutions. The air quality has improved quite a bit, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, absolutely. And that, that's, it's, it's interesting you raise that because I think, first and foremost, the San Diego Union Tribune and the Los Angeles Times need to own the conversation where we live. But connecting that conversation to the rest of the world is a pretty interesting way to view the rest of the world. So uh, before the papers were together, one of the L.A. Times reporters did a great story on air quality in Beijing, Hmm. uh, which is an interesting story in itself. And it is one of the great challenges they face in China, uh, the environmental consequence of all of their uh, growing industries. But she tied it to Los Angeles. And you almost could have been looking at Los Angeles a generation ago was how she framed it. It wound up being highly read in Los Angeles and highly shared around the world, in China in particular. But it's an interesting way to frame a story like that because most of our readers are curious about other parts of the world. But when you can connect a story like that to how they live at home or the experience they went through, uh, it adds more value. It gets more read. Uh, and policymakers from China are regular visitors to Southern California, understand what in San Diego and what in Los Angeles has been done to try to address some of these issues, and we're a generation ahead of them. Mm-hmm. So what are the, uh, I mean, other than water down here in San Diego, what are some of the other big issues? I guess, uh, obviously, real estate development and uh, roads, transportation, infrastructure, those are on everybody's minds. We're all talking about potholes and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, I, I think infrastructure. I think the uh, there are some great success stories in San Diego. The importance and the growing influence of the bioscience sector, uh, mm-hmm. the technology sector. Absolutely. Uh, I, I took a tour as guests of the uh, U.S. Navy just about a month or so ago of all the things that are happening there. And what struck me is how much technology is actually happening in San Diego as a consequence of the fleet being based there for all refurbishment. You know, I, I had somewhat naively before thought of, well, that submarine in port has 150 people deployed in the submarine. I hadn't understood the economic consequence in San Diego of the billion-dollar retrofit and all of the uh, great jobs it provides, all the high-end technology that resides in San Diego to service that fleet. So Mm -hmm. so there's some great success stories like that that I think we want to explain better and feature more. Um, Mm -hmm. And there are those civic issues, as you mentioned, infrastructure and how it's paid for and whether our tax dollars are being effectively spent or not, and the San Union Tribune has to be that civic conscience for the community to ask those hard questions, because if we don't, 
Nobody will. Charger Stadium. What do you think? Uh, well, you're going to wind up. Uh, Joe, if, what stadium? <laughs> <laughs> well, Austin, if it winds up in L.A., I guess you'll have a paper to cover on there or whatever. So yeah, maybe you, covered you, either way. There, you, don't have a, you don't have a dog in that fight, do you? Or what do you think? I don't have a dog in the fight. I think that uh, uh, I do hope the NFL um, uh, decides sooner rather than later. I think it's in the interests of all the communities involved and not just uh, San Diego or Los Angeles, but Oakland and St. Louis as well. Yeah, uh, and we're going to support the decision the owners make mm-hmm. uh, in hopes that uh, uh, whether it is in San Diego or Los Angeles, we still have football because it makes a difference in the community for sure. Uh, and all the teams in different times in their history have been good corporate citizens. And I actually had the privilege uh, of being with our the L.A. Times NFL reporter, a guy named Sam Farmer, and Kevin Acey, who covers the Chargers. Mm-hmm. And as our guest, we had Philip Rivers, mm-hmm. a group of advertisers. <laughs> about two weeks ago down in San Diego, and I had a lot of fun. And I have to say, I have a ninth grader who's considering playing football or not. I came home and told my wife, boy, if uh, his coach is anything like Philip Rivers, he should play football because that, that man is a poster child for everything right in the game today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't know that. I, I only saw his actions in the field, and I heard uh, different sports commentators talk about whether he threw too many incompletions or uh, a lot of touchdowns or whatever they might say about that but boy as a human and an individual you can see the important role he plays in san diego and i think that's wonderful his yeah. foundation does amazing work well the only thing yeah, i think yeah, yeah. the only thing i think that's got uh the fans down here a little concerned is the the notion or the idea that uh they want to share a stadium with the oakland raiders and carson and i <laughs> i just can't see that happening but uh who knows stranger things have, have happened right uh, I mean, if we have ga- you know, if if got game marriage now, maybe we'd have that. Had, <laughs> if you had spent the last 20 years in Los Angeles trying to predict the outcome of the NFL, uh, you'd be wrong more than you were right, probably. Yeah. So uh, we'll all know soon enough. And um, I think each community has something at stake, and I hope it's a good outcome for both. Well, you know, if that blackout rule had, had not been in effect, the Rams probably never would have left. But they had a few about five bad years, and they, all the games got blacked out, and I think people just lost interest or flocked to UCLA and USC games, and, and that probably caused a, a problem. But anyway, we'll see where it all shakes out. Austin, would you like to join us somewhere down the road? We'll do a whole show with you because obviously we haven't even scratched the surface. What do you say? Yeah, be my pleasure. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Have a great 4th of July. We really appreciate you having on, having on with us. Both of you as well, and I hope all of your listeners also have a great 4th. Thank you Wonderful. Very thank you. Bye-bye now. Hey, we'll be right back with uh, Bill Powers and Powers Scuba right after this break, so stay tuned. All right, we are back with our next segment and guest of It's Your Money and Your Life. We have in studio with us a scuba diving expert and uh, defense industry uh, executive, etc. His name is Bill Powers. Bill, welcome to our show. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> well, right out of the gate, I know the main reason that uh, we even booked you is because uh, you're scheduling a wonderful film event with our good mutual friend Rod Roddenberry. So tell us all about that first, and then we'll get into your... Uh, your bio, etc. Sure. I was talking to Rod uh, a few months ago, and I told him that uh, we usually do something for Comic-Con, whether it be a party or a get-together. He always has a table at Comic-Con for his uh, entertainment business. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wasn't doing a party this year, and I suggested uh, us showing his movie, Trek Nation, which is a documentary featuring him uh, on an exploration to find out who his father was and, mm-hmm. and uh, who the various members of fandom really were. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I know we showed it last year at, at uh, Qualcomm, and they really loved it as well. But it's going to be, is it open to the public or mostly your diving group? No, it's open to the public, yeah. and uh, I have a link uh, that I think I gave to you uh, for a ticket site. It's going to be at the Museum of Photographic Arts in Balboa Park on July 9th. Yeah, Thursday, July 9th. Can they yeah, go? We, we recommend it. He was a great guest on the radio show, too. But that's a great documentary. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. So, Bill, uh, the be- would it be, can they find it through powerscuba.org, too, or can they find it on your site? Oh, or? they can. It's featured on the front page there. Okay. Uh, as well, uh, I imagine you're going to put up the link as well? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, r- real easy, folks. Just powerscuba.org if uh, you want to find out more about that. I think they'll keep it short and sweet, and it'll be easier. But sure. it's going to be the, e- the evening of, and probably I think it starts about 6, right? If you can get in there a little early and take a tour of the museum at 4.30 or 5. Right. The museum's opening itself to us, so uh, we can go around and browse about starting at about 4.30 or 5 o'clock. That's great. And then we'll open the theater at about 6 for people to come in. And then there's a short uh, a short film, too, before that that I think Rod produced as well. You're showing that night, right? It is. It's his latest film. Uh, I think he's been trying to get it on the uh, uh, the film festival circuit mm-hmm. called Instant, and it's uh, produced by his uh, production company, Roddenberry Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Hilton, I think, has a part in that that short, and he played the role of Elvis Presley in the great film Walk the Line, if you remember that. And I remember Tyler playing at Lestat's uh, Coffee House back in the day, so he's got, yeah. and he's quite developed quite a good um, uh, acting and music career for himself. But anyway. Um, so, Bill, I guess you came to San Diego in 1980 with the Navy, right? I did. I came out of here from New York and uh, originally with the Navy as a young, raw recruit and uh, decided there weren't many better places and decided <laughs> to stay here for the rest of my life. What part of New York are you from? About 60 miles northwest of New York City in uh, Orange County, right on the Hudson River. Okay. Wow. I think David Letterman lives up around there somewhere. Yeah. So. <laughs> But, um, yeah, well, a lot of military, I mean, they came through San Diego and they figured uh, when they got back out of the war or whatever, uh, I got to get back to San Diego. And, and I think we have one of the largest uh, veteran communities in the whole country here, right? How many? About 300,000 or so? Or? I'm not sure of the numbers, but, yeah, I do know this, this is a preferred place for them to retire. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, after the Navy, then you settled here. I guess you became a technical training specialist, right? An engineer. Right. Uh, and I started. Uh, I started with some smaller defense companies, and I worked my way up. And uh, now I'm working for a big one up in North County. Mm, okay. Can you divulge what what you, your area of expertise is, or is it the kind of confidential? Uh, it's a little confidential, okay. but uh, I can tell you that it's in the drone department. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I was even thinking today on the way over here, you know, they're probably coming up with robotic uh, uh, marine life to, to engage in warfare. I mean, wh- you know, why sacrifice manpower if, uh, I mean, blowing up a robot as opposed to a human, right? I mean, <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, they're, they're in talks about it, believe me. Yeah. I mean, we've never had any drones on the show, Joe. I can say that. <laughs> oh, some people drone on all the time, but, <laughs> but uh, not today. So Not on our show. Yeah, not on our show. But uh, let's see. So then, uh, obviously, we're, you were a diving enthusiast. Did, did that come later, or was that since early early on? Well, it was with the Navy originally, and I, uh, I found out about snorkeling in Guantanamo Bay when my ship pulled in there in 1982. Mm. And a couple of years later, I found myself in the Philippines, and as an alternative to going out and uh, partying every night, I decided to take scuba lessons, and I got certified there and went around uh, the Western Pacific afterwards with my ship and uh, did a lot of great diving. Came back here to my home port in San Diego, and uh, although the water was a little bit uh, less visibility, a little bit colder, mm-hmm. I, I found uh, enough to love about it that I kept doing it ever since. Hmm. I'm surprised. I guess a lot of you know, guys in the Navy and gals too, for that matter, are probably getting into diving more so than the average uh, citizen. Is that true or not so much? 
Yeah, possibly, and uh, probably because uh, especially the people that are on ships like I was uh, find themselves in so many fantastic places over and over again. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we have, we're coming up on our second break now, Bill, but we've got a lot more to do, discuss. We'll be back with Bill Powers from Power Scuba right after this. Hang on. All right, we're back with the second half of the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and now this is the time where Richard thanks our great sponsors. A big thank you to all of our sponsors, UBS, Drew Friedis, Michael Coranta, and team. Again, that would be the award-winning UBS. Jason Kruger, CPA with Signature Analytics, the best CFO company that you can find out here on the West Coast. Also CPAs, Polito Epic CPAs in San Marcos, Don Epic and Paul Polito. Berkeley Research Group, recent guest Carl Sheeler. Great business valuation expert helping business owners improve the values of their businesses by reducing the risks that drive those values. Speaking of saving tons of money, Joel Grushkin, Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. If you want to protect that cash flow, Brenda Geiger, the law office of Brenda Geiger, Assets Protection and Estate Planning. Also, California Republic Bank, a very interesting niche market bank in Orange County and San Diego County, specializing in serving wealthy families and family offices. Neil Staley with Hub International, also known as Mars Maddox Insurance, great employee benefits firm. And by a 6-3 vote, the Supreme Court made sure that they didn't have more work than they could handle last week. So that's good. <laughs> the LG Experience and the Lombardi Group helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs by helping CPAs do amazing work for their very best clients. Yes, Professional Women's Tennis is coming back to San Diego Thanksgiving week, along with my Oceanside Turkey Trot. Check out the Carlsbad Classic at Park Hyatt Aviara. www. That's too many Ws. That would be cldclassic.com. And last but not least, also a recent guest, uh, Paul Hines, CEO of Hearthstone Private Wealth Management, and, of course, one of the key principals in endfinancialabuse.org the uh, program here in San Diego that helps combat rising elder abuse. So, again, mm-hmm. endfinancialabuse.org. And, Joe, how can our listeners find out more about our amazing roster of great sponsors? Well, all I have to do is get their, uh, get on their computer and get over to iymoney.com, and there's a Sponsors tab along the top of the page there. Just uh, there's a drop-down menu. You just get your cursor on that, and you can click on any one or all of them to find out more about their professions, uh, professional background and history and their contact information. And I know they've all been working with Richard for many, many years with great success, correct, Richard? In some cases, almost 30 years. <laughs> too, too many to mention. It I only guess. seems like a lifetime. But these are your professional contacts. Colleagues and uh, collaborators, so uh, you know they're not. Uh, they have your personal seal of approval. Obviously, they're the best of the best. Absolutely, yeah, they so, write books. They get national acclaim and do all kinds of cool things like that. You know, speaking of the best, we've got the best uh, scuba diving uh, organization in San Diego here, uh, in the head of it, and the president, Bill Powers. And uh, powerscuba.org if you're interested. So if folks did want to get into they get on the website. And I know there's a meetup group, too. Is that where you originally started on the meetup site, uh, Bill? Or did That's where the bulk of our operations happen. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a real user-friendly and admin-friendly uh, site. So we mm-hmm. use that to schedule our events and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So how did you um, become a Star Trek fan? I'm just curious. Star Trek fan uh, probably when I was a little kid back okay. in the, back in the sixties, and uh, my dad and I would watch that religiously. In addition to the uh, Jacques Cousteau Undersea yep. Adventures as well, and yeah. Sea Hunt, which we mentioned earlier. Sea Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Lloyd, Jacques Cousteau and Lloyd Bridges. Yeah, Jacques Cousteau for sure. And then uh, how did you meet Rod Roddenberry? I think it was about ten years ago. I was uh, I chartered a dive boat for a trip off of offshore to the Channel Islands, San Clemente mm-hmm. and uh, Catalina. Sure. And he came as a guest of one of uh, my members or one of my friends. 
And uh, I think the whole weekend went by. Uh, we were diving, diving, diving. And uh, then right towards the end, I mentioned to him that I'd seen his name on the list and that he had a really cool last name. And was he any relation? <laughs> and he said, I sure, sure am. I used my dad. And I said, wow, that is very cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, he's done quite a bit of diving himself. Now, you've got, what, over 4,000 dives uh Right. Or so, something right. like they saw that went figure somewhere. And uh, now Rod has his group also called Roddenberry Adventures because he's passionate about diving. So I guess you guys sometimes dive together or sometimes dive separately with groups, right? Yeah, we, uh, we started diving a lot after uh, we first met uh, together. And then uh, we created our own separate groups. Mm-hmm. And uh, we sort of think of them as our uh, as, uh, brethren or, yeah, yeah. our brother group. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and he's branched out. And not only does he have his dive team now, but the Roddenberry Adventures also does land-bound stuff like uh, hiking and uh, overseas mm-hmm. travel, things like that. But most of your dives are in San Diego County, I would take it, right? Uh, yeah, Southern California. Southern yeah. California. Yeah, we do the oil rigs off of uh, Long Beach quite a bit and really? a lot of the Channel Islands as well. A typical dive would take how long and go how deep and all that? Uh, really variable, but uh, generally speaking, 45 minutes to an hour long for each dive, maybe depths of uh, 50 to 100 feet. Huh. And oil rigs. Why, why do you want to dive around oil rigs? Well, it's amazing, but the, uh, the architecture, the underwater structure there draws fish like you wouldn't believe, and it becomes a, a, a veritable artificial reef. And uh, so out there, right in the middle of the ocean, you tend to get more fish com- congregating, and uh, it's a real great uh, treasure trove of fish life. So huh. you've been diving for about 30 years. What changes have you seen in the water in Southern California in terms of um, marine life and so on? Well, I, I hate to I say mean, is it, the ocean but, water temperature increase a cause for concern? Yeah, it, it seems to vary. I mean, some years it'll increase, then some years it'll go down. Certainly, we took a hit last year mm-hmm. when the water temperature increased by a few degrees, and then there goes a lot of our kelp mm-hmm. throughout uh, California right. and, and elsewhere. But uh, it's coming back. We've seen it coming back now, and uh, the fish life that comes with it comes back as well. Hmm. Now, you also are an instructor. I, I guess if someone wanted to become a, a diving instructor, you could train people to do that or... That's correct. I keep those uh, endeavors separate from Power Scuba, but I'm an instructor and uh, mm-hmm. I teach part time, uh, kind of my beer money, so to speak. <laughs> and then also, I guess in March of 2014, you had one of your finest moments. I- I'm seeing here that you uh, saved someone's life. You want to describe that? Uh, sure. It was uh, it was a typical uh, dive charter boat. We had about 30 people. We chartered out uh, one of the vessels here in San Diego. And uh, it drove us to San Clemente overnight, and we woke up in the morning, had breakfast, and started to gear up and jump in off the island. And uh, one of the first few people that went in, uh, I was up forward gearing up, and uh, that person jumps in apparently, and the dive crew didn't like what they saw when they saw her go in. And so they started shouting that she was in trouble and going down. And uh, so uh, I sent some people down after her to ascertain if she really was in trouble or not. And uh, as luck would have it, even before those people reached her, uh, there were some people on the bottom already, and the clarity, the visibility was really good. They saw her come down uh, like a rag doll, they described. and uh, apparently, she, she passed out before she even hit the water? Or yeah, what? she did. Apparently, uh, from what we can surmise, she went in uh, unprepared, maybe with no air in her buoyancy device, maybe overweighted, we're not sure. But uh, at, at one point, she drowned on the way down. <sighs> and uh, so they found her lifeless on the bottom and jammed her back up to the surface. We pulled her back on the boat as quick as we could, and I did CPR, and we were, uh, thank the heavens, we were able to bring her back. Huh. And she's doing well today, huh? She's doing well today and back on the job. Wow, that's Does great. she still die? She's slowly getting back into it. Uh, she's affirmed that she's going to take a lot more training, which I think is a good thing, mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and uh, then get back into it at some point. Uh, how much training should somebody take? 
Well, an open water course uh, is anywhere between 25 and 50 hours okay. worth of instruction. Mm-hmm. Well, I was telling the story earlier. I think I just read in the paper that um, some family was having dinner, I believe, at Anthony's Fish Grotto or one of the, those um, you know places right on the, the harbor downtown. And uh, the little boy at their in their party told the waiter, he's look at that seal out there, you know, bobbing up and down. And goes, that's no seal. That's a, there was a guy drowning. Oh, and good the, and the waiter, I think he tore off his shirt and shoes and dove in and saved this guy. Uh, so that was a miraculous thing. Good thing that little boy spotted it. Oh, but uh, but water safety is uh, is a big concern, especially in the summer when pools get loaded up with kids and. And uh, and whatnot, but uh, you know, what can you tell people? I guess they just have to be vigilant and and uh, and uh, well trained and and looking for uh, kids in trouble, right? Well, well absolutely. And uh, safety is a big part of what we do at Power Scuba, and uh, it, it starts with the training, certainly. But then afterwards, it uh, becomes a lot of your own personal responsibility because God knows. Most people get the proper training, but then whether or not they choose to uh, follow it or not is a different thing. So there's really, uh, when it comes right down to it, not that many major safety cornerstones or tenets that you have to follow in scuba diving. Mm-hmm. But if you don't follow it, then uh, it certainly can be very unforgiving. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to take a little break right, right here again, though. Bill, we'll come right back with Bill Powers of Power Scuba right after this short announcement. All right. Happy Fourth of July. We're back with Bill Powers, Powers of Power Scuba, who's here. Uh, actually, he's going to be promoting a great film event with Rod Roddenberry of Star Trek fame, July 9th at MOPA. So get on powerscuba.org if you want to find out how to get into tickets. Are this blood-curling price of $7, if that is the most reasonable. And, Seven bucks for Trek yeah, Nation? And, and, uh, and Rod will be should there. should make a donation, too. Yeah, and Rod will be there, by the way, for Q&A. Who's going to conduct that? Is it you, you, that be you, Bill? Or? Uh, I'm going to introduce, and then he'll uh, he'll take it from there. Okay. He, he's bringing a lot of stuff to give away, uh, most oh, notable of which is a Klingon Batleth, if that means anything to you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Star Trek swag. All right. <laughs> but anyway, you want to... Where, where would you put that in your house? But anyway. Oh, up on the wall. <laughs> Exactly. place of honor. But you wanted to further address Richard's question about marine life Well, yeah, I, I wanted to talk, you know, I, I live on the beach, so we've, we've been seeing, for example, sea lions wash up in numbers that we've never seen before. But w- what are you seeing out there? Well, uh, it's the, the lack of food, right, I guess. Well, we, yeah, the, the, the sea lion die-off uh, is, is kind of strange, but it's a cyclic from what I understand. Okay. And it's the babies. And, uh, we first yeah, started the younger no- ones. Yeah, yeah, we first started noticing it when they'd come up onto the swim steps of our dive boats, which is not a normal thing. And they just mm-hmm. want to hang out there and have a rest and a breather. And uh, there's a couple schools of thought as to why it's happening. But uh, one of the schools is that uh, the w- water's warmer, fish have to go down deeper. And then the mothers have to go out further and deeper in order to catch the fish, leaving the babies unattended. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's the one that I, I would probably go with. Mm-hmm. Now, the odor issue in La Jolla Cove, uh, it's still <laughs> its still bad. Now, look, we all love the harbor seals down in the children's pool. We don't want to touch them. Obviously, there's a pupping season. But the distinction is, uh, you know, they just do that part of the year, the sea lions over uh, toward the cove which the population, I guess, has been growing 3% per year for like the last 15 or 20 years. It seems up, to really be exploding lately. Up and down the whole coast. It's not just San Diego. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, the, the the stench is pretty bad. And, uh, you know, Mayor Fellner, whatever you think of him, he did. That would be ex-Mayor Fellner, right. well, 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 still clarify. Well, once you're mayor, they call, you, they call you like President Clinton is not still him. President Clinton. But anyway, <laughs> he did he did address it with this uh, antimicrobial spray, and, and it did seem to... Temporarily, hope I guess they would just have to 
maintain that program. I don't know why those businesses can't get together and maybe collaborate with the state, city, and maybe even federal money and pitch in and 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 use that. Apparently, it's a very safe and effective method, don't you think? Or yeah, that uh, sounds like a good idea to me. As long as it's not uh, the runoff is not going into the water or affecting the water adversely. I mean, we dive a lot there at the cove. And yeah. When it's on, when the visibility is on, that's one of the better diving places mm-hmm. in Southern California, right there. You've got all the sharks, the taupe sharks, and the seven gills. Mm-hmm. Lots to see and do there. But I mean, that that's that my antimicrobial. Uh, substance apparently it just neutralizes that. I don't, I don't think it would. I don't think it would cause a pollution problem in, into the water. But uh, anyway, I hope they do get it figured out because uh, it's such a beautiful place, and to have that uh, be a factor as far as tourism or anybody visiting, and even the people who have to live and work around there. I mean, it's not pleasant. So, sure. So. so, is it true you were a shark dive master? And if so, could you explain what that is? I was. Uh, I worked for uh, an outfit out of Catalina, Avalon. Uh, back in the 90s for a short while and uh, actually got my dive master certification okay. there before I became an instructor. But what does that mean? Uh, dive master is a person who can uh, run boat trips and conduct limited amounts of training, things like that. And uh, as soon as I got my dive master cert, the, comp- the, uh, the shop that certified me hired me on as a shark dive master for a short period. So basically you go out and uh, 10, 12 miles off the coast, and this was off Catalina, and you uh, chum up the water a little bit, and uh, you have a cage in the water, and it's off to the side and down from the boat a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so the dive master's job mostly is to ferry customers after they get into the water, and then they scuba dive down into the cage. And you put them in the cage safe and sound, you stay on the outside, and you call the sharks up. Wait a minute. You stay outside the cage while the sharks are coming? Right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what is the largest shark you Is, is the down? career expectancy shorter than an NFL running back? Or? <laughs> We, uh, you know, uh, it kind of ties in with what you're asking before about the, the fish populations mm-hmm. and what I've seen over the years. But uh, back then in the 90s, there were quite a few. You could always be guaranteed of blues and an occasional mako mm-hmm. when you go out doing a shark dive. These days, not so much. They're bouncing back a little bit, but uh, there was about a decade or even more where they had virtually vanished. And uh, a lot of us have uh, think that it had something to do with the, the Chinese shark finning mm-hmm. that occurred mm-hmm. so much. But yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there's still a couple shark outfits here in San Diego that do that, and uh, they tend to have a good time. Well, we've all seen that horrible documentary. That, well, it was a good documentary about that horrible uh, you know, fishing by the, the, the cove. You know, is that still going on quite a bit, or are we getting some kind of uh, some regulation? Oh, on the that? Oscar winner? Yeah. Yeah, actually, Power Scuba did an event for that about four years ago, again with Roddenberry Entertainment, and uh, we showed it at the Birch Theater. Disturbing, it, isn't it? Really, really yeah. disturbing. And the, the, more, the most disturbing thing is, is with all the attention that got, and it's still going on today. Yeah. I, I don't uh, Is it the, do they eat them and market them? I know the fin, uh, the, the shark, they just want the fin and they show, throw the sharks back in the water. I mean, without right. their fins, which is, I think, uh, The horrible. dolphins, I think they tried, uh, they tried purposing out the meat to schools and things until they found out that it had high levels of mercury mm-hmm. in it. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah, it's a sad situation. Well, yeah. hopefully, hopefully they're getting that better because the, the, uh, the, the Everyone thinks that we've wiped out ninety percent of the big fish in the last fifty years. Is that correct? Well, I've heard I've heard tell that uh, some people are predicting that the last bluefin tuna is going to be caught in twenty fifty. Wow, it's really sad. 
well, hopefully they'll get some major conservation movements going on that. So Yeah, and I'm proud that uh, California passed the uh, the shark fin ban bill here that went into full effect last year. So no more shark fin in California, at least. Well, that's good. Now, we have got a couple of sunken ships right off the coast of San Diego sure. here, right? And mm-hmm. you get you get down there many off of Mission Beach, right? Yeah, that's uh, those are some of the go-to sites when we take our people out and when other scuba divers go out. The Yukon, mm-hmm. which is a, uh, the Canadian destroyer that was sunk as an artificial reef about mm-hmm. two miles off Mission Beach. Mm-hmm. That's probably the gem. That's the best one in California, hmm. offshore. Huh. But we've got some others as well. The Ruby E, a, a, a Coast Guard cutter, not too far from the Yukon. And then down by the U.S.-Mexican border in 130 feet of water, there's the USS Hogan that was sunk uh, maybe 50, 55 years ago is for naval gunfire support practice. Huh. Didn't know about that one. Interesting. Um Let's see. So I know we had the Titanic down there. We filmed that in Mexico, too, but I don't know what they did with it. <laughs> I think they still got the deep water tank down did, there, too. Did, did yeah. they sink? That? Was that a, I don't know, how, how big was the model? I never got down there to see it. Did you ever... I don't know. They had some kind of a basin, and then they had all their uh, their mock-ups and things inside the basin. I mean, obviously, the ship wasn't uh, true to size, but right. uh, <laughs> but pretty darn good special effects. Uh, you know, it only, it only made most money in history there. I don't know if it's still number one, but it made... Uh, you mean the late version with DiCaprio? Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, like one point eight billion or some crazy. Number. I think it's like the, it's it's in the top three now for sure. But uh, anyway, it's one of the highest grossing films of all time. But uh, there you have it. So um, let's see. So here. does your charitable organization uh, support political causes that surround the ocean and, and we, uh, safety? And... We, we don't support political candidates, that's okay. for sure, because we can't as a right. nonprofit. Right. But we do advocate for certain uh, stances and on policies. issues. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, probably the most notable of which is when we advocated very heavily for the uh, creation of the marine preservation uh, marine protected areas mm-hmm. here off the coast of San Diego, and that went through, and uh, they they created a whole bunch. There's a the largest one is in Encinitas, right? But it's in Encinitas, yeah. right? But I live up there. There's some others up and down the coast, and uh, it remains to be seen uh, what the efficacy is because uh, they, you know, in addition to creating those, then they have to really have a really good system of monitoring mm-hmm. them and, and seeing what the result really is. Do you have any concern about the desal plant up there in uh, the brine and how it how may affect the uh, marine life uh, in the vicinity? Do uh, you have any thoughts on that, or we got to wait and see? No, I think that's a wait-and-see issue. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Um, let's see here. So your co-chair, American Cancer Society Relay for Life. I see you've done a lot of And then your Surfrider Foundation, I guess you collaborate with them on certain things, right? Uh, at one point, I was supporting them just as a uh, as a member and an mm-hmm. attendee. Uh, not too much anymore since I created Power Scuba because that's mm-hmm. a handful all by itself. Mm-hmm. But uh, how many and how many people in your organization? I know you're pretty uh, pretty big, right? Yeah, we have about 2,800 members. Oh, wow. <laughs> and founded only in 08, right? So only about seven years ago, or right? A l- little under seven years, and uh, something resonated. I uh, I belonged to some dive clubs before that, and uh, they all charged dues, and they were all underattended, and they all had. Uh, uh, meetings in the back of some rundown bar mm-hmm. with speakers that nobody wanted to listen to. So I said, you know, why not create a group that's dedicated just to diving? And uh, so I did, and uh, thought we could throw in some environmental issues in there as well, mm-hmm. and uh, and didn't charge any dues. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I already had a good job, so I didn't need the money or anything like that. So uh, I put it out there, and uh, a lot re- of response. Yeah, it resonated with people. Well, you and, know, it's, uh, I had a friend in the NFL, and he used to dive just for the therapy of it, and maybe a lot of vets uh, with PTSD. That might be in a, a, a group you can go after. Who knows? They have several groups that do that for oh, wounded perfect. warriors. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Bill Powers, thanks so much for being our guest. 
uh, get over to powerscuba.org to find out about the screening July 9th with Rod Roddenberry. And thanks to Austin Butner for being on the show. Richard, always great seeing you. Justin Hart on the board. Thanks for making us sound good. Thanks to Craig Blanke, our con executive, and Dave Sniff, our and programming genius. Everybody be careful with the fireworks. Yes, and have a happy 4th of July. All these podcasts are on iymoney.com, and you have a great week. Bye-bye now. <laughs>